you're hard pressed to find somebody who cares that much about the product and it matters because especially in our brewery world we're running a lager yeast we're running two saison yeasts we're running a Britannomyces strain and we're running an American yeast. And like when I used to consult for breweries, I used to be like, you never ever use more than two strains of yeast ever. <laughs> so like six, right? So you need somebody who really cares because the entire brewery is a ticking time bomb if things aren't maintained properly. Ladies and gents, welcome back to another episode of the Beer Got Me Here podcast with your host, Nick, alongside the power duo Rolling House Beer Tours, Andy and Garrett. We're excited to have Aaron Broadfoot, owner and head brewer of Little Beast Brewing Company in Whitby, Ontario, which is just east of Toronto and part of the greater Toronto area. Little Beast Brewing Company brews a wide range of American-style ales, saisons, and experimental beers. They take pride in blending quality and consistency with experimentation and innovation. So without further ado, Aaron, we welcome you to the Beer Got Me Here podcast. How's it going, Aaron? Good. Thanks for having me on today. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm owner and head brewer at Little Beast Brewing. We've been going for about three and a half years now. Uh, so yeah, I brew a lot of beer, make a lot of beer, love what I'm doing, um, work a lot, <laughs> just back from work right now. And yeah, happy to sit and talk about the brewery and what we've been doing. Excellent. So what have you been doing before the brewery? Before the brewery. Uh, so before the brewery, I'm a biology and chemistry background as a U of T grad. Uh, briefly worked in the medical field. So I worked in gynecology and women's health for eight years before I moved over to beer. So it, it and it actually runs more parallels than you'd think because biology and cells and chemistry are a huge part of beer so it was a really great transition into beer and I guess I started brewing professionally about eight years ago and then started building Little Beasts about five and a half years ago and then we opened three and a half years ago maybe a little bit longer now. So it's safe to say that there's a little bit of science in your brewing process probably or you understand it a little bit more than most I would say. Yeah, I think I'm pretty fortunate to have the background I do. It really helps with the translation of a lot of aspects of the brew process. And yeah, the, the chemistry and the, the microbiology and the yeast are my two favorite aspects. And that's where the name comes from. The little beast is some nerd homage to, uh, to the yeast that makes the beer. Oh, cool. Yeah. Aaron, do you, where, where, eight years ago, you said you started brewing. Was that like homebrew stuff or was that... Did you actually work for like a separate brewery? What, where was your, what's your origin story? I started homebrewing. So when I was leaving medicine, I, I always kind of loved food and kind of wanted to go that way as kind of a passion, passion project and kind of got to that age where I was like, if I'm going to make a jump, it's going to be now. Thought I was going to get into baking. I spent most of my time baking, launched a brief catering business realized I really didn't like catering. And yeah, one of my friends brought over some homebrew and it was surprisingly good. So I started playing and it was just a huge descent. It was like baking, but with science. So I really rapidly became hooked. And I went from a casual hobbyist to entering homebrew competitions within the first year. And then by the third year of homebrewing, I was probably brewing three times a week just to figure out how to perfect my process. And then started brewing professionally, took on a couple jobs, did some contract work just to put my foot in the industry and see what I was getting into. So you did start like just homebrewing. Like, was there any, like your passion before that? Like, did you have a particular interest in beer or was it kind of more of a sciencey uh, nerdy thing? And I say that in a positive light, like. 
Oh, I'm, or, I'm or okay with being. I'm okay with being a nerd. There's a lot of nerdy crap that goes on in my life, so I'm very comfortable <laughs> with it. Nerd. Too <laughs> much, so you have no idea. Um, yeah. So, and then I just kind of missed the question right there. Uh, sorry, it was about the science. Yeah. Well, was did you have like an actual passion for for alcohol. beer itself, or was it more of the the actual chemistry behind that? The I always loved beer. I'd say like at the beginning of the craft beer wave, I was there drinking some of the first ones. You know. Know, when I was 19, it was always Amsterdam brown and blonde, which was kind of the extent of craft beer back in the day. And I, I was probably loved my beer from the time I was 14 onwards. So <laughs> this is just a way to make it professional. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So the yeah. brewery itself is only, you're only like three years old. Is that correct? Like, is that what you said? Yeah, October 2017. So almost four years old. I guess it'll be four years old in a few months. So yeah, time flies a little bit slower. Well, I don't know, still faster these days, but it goes by really quickly. So we were just kind of turning that hump of becoming like a functional, profitable brewery right when COVID slid in. So it's it's been a process. It's been fun. <laughs> I'm sure as long as you have fun along the way right that's mm -hmm. all that really matters yeah it's a lot of work it's a crazy amount of work but I at the same imagine. time I'm fortunate to be able to do something I love that I feel inspired by so there's there's a definite balancing there that goes on for sure actually just back at the fact that you mentioned you started out with home brewing and I saw that you guys did uh, a collab with people's pint and you know we love people's pint and doug and peter is that like is there any roots there did you start with them was there any connection at the beginning there yeah there's huge roots there actually so way back in the day when i was home brewing i used to homebrew with peter and doug and it was i think it was first called bra house and it was something even before that it was bra house and something else it was homebrew events that doug and a few other people would put on that then turned into the people's pint events which were featuring homebrewers Obviously, there's a slight lack of women representation in the hobby. It's getting better. Uh, but I, when I was homebrewing, like, there was very, very few. So I always did all of his events. Doug was very good to me. He always gave me a platform. He kind of always gave me a place to launch my product and to put my stuff out there. He's just the most amazing person and friend and ally. And yeah, he's a really great guy. And I love the brewery. So we've been talking about doing something together for years. So it was nice to finally actually do something. That's awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. And like just the fact that, you know, Andy and I, you know, we always say there's such a community in craft beer, especially in, you know, the Southern Ontario. So just to find that, you know, there's, there's always those little connections between craft brewers, even if they are, you know, an hour or so away. It's, uh, yeah. it's pretty awesome. I like that strength, that bond. Yeah, definitely. I've got some very close friends that I've made through the industry from before and during as either commiseration partners or <laughs> people that we can prop each other up together. So Absolutely. And so it's, it, I know there's 102.1, like it's called the alternative veil, but like, did they just like approach you guys? Can you talk about that a little bit? Like how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. So Fred, that fearless Fred mm -hmm. uh, is a buddy of Doug's and is a buddy of mine. Uh, so oh. he met Fred through where they work because they both worked for Chorus and Fred, I met him. He'd stopped in at Little Beasts. He, we have a, I got Jim next door and his kid was at a birthday party. And it's so, I didn't, I don't ever watch. I just listen. So I didn't recognize him at first. And we were talking about music and beer and we got along really well. And it dawned on me like two hours later who it was. <laughs> so <laughs> he's great. And we partnered up. I started going to the same gym he goes to. So we kind of 
started talking through there. And we collabed together back in the day. He's a huge proponent of small business. He is a genuinely awesome, amazing guy. Like I cannot say enough positive things about him. So Edge has been wanting to get a beer going for a while and had some troubles making connections with bigger breweries. Mm -hmm. So Fred linked Doug and us to Tyler at the Edge and we kind of took it from there. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very cool. Billy Fred has like such a you. I don't know. I, I feel like he's got such such a unique voice. So like, uh, that was, yeah, that's what <laughs> did it a little bit later on. I stopped and I'm like, holy sh. Pardon, I, I, I don't know if I can sweat. You I'm can. like, I don't know why you know all this music stuff. I know who you are. So <laughs> <laughs> that's super <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> it was very cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's a huge like GTA collab for those of you don't, who don't know the 102.1 The Edge, huge uh, radio station in Toronto, Fearless Fred, obviously the protagonist of the um, commentators on The Edge. So that's, yeah, it was really good. I don't know, Garrett, have you had a chance to try the, the beer? I haven't. Not yet. I, I haven't. But been I've seen a ton of social media one. stuff. Yeah. Right. Haven't got to try it just yet. Yeah. It's been bizarre. Everyone's like, I just heard your brewery on the radio and I don't listen to the radio. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool. It's very yeah. neat. It's kind did of fun. You, did you brew that at Little Beast or, or People's Pint or at both? Yeah. Because of COVID and everything being kind of a disaster, we decided to do two separate beers. And that also mm. meant there was more beer made for charity. So they brewed one version at People's Pint that was done with an American yeast. So a traditional um, American pale ale. And the one I brewed at Little Beasts was done with Belgian yeast. So it's a Belgian mm. pale ale. So same recipe, just different yeast so that you can see what that will do to a beer. Uh, cool. Okay, we gotta, we gotta get, get my hands on one yeah, of them. Yeah, we gotta get both of those. Yeah, it'd be nice to get yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah, are they really, are they? Out. Oh, really? It is slightly smaller batch than us. Mm -hmm. I think they just sold out and we're really close to selling out. Shoot. Are you guys going to make more or no? We missed the boat. <laughs> I, I, who knows? We could make it again. <laughs> I guess this might be something that happens again. And I mean, we both do many beers in this style regularly. So it's, it's mm -hmm. not a fleeting moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Might have to or, bug Peter see if he's got a can yeah. stashed away or something. Yeah, or <laughs> we can just get you to do a beer. Got me here collab. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little collab. Are there particular styles that you're quite fond of at Little Beast? Like in your entire history, is there a focus to the the styles that you brew? Are you very experimental? Um, like, have you changed in the almost four years of your existence? Can you tell us a bit about the styles? Yeah, so landing in, you know, in Durham region, which has always kind of been, I mean, we've got craft breweries, but it's always yeah. been a bit of a dearth of, of beer and food out there. I specialize in saisons and Belgian beers. Ooh. So when we first opened and I launched with the saison, people were like, what's that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like somebody yeah, the other day came in and like, oh, I don't like that. the sound of it. And they walked back out. I'm like, oh, give it a shot. Is, oh, this, what is this French beer? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so we do a lot of saisons and a lot of Belgians. It was me and a business partner for a while. Okay. He was very big into IPAs. So he did a lot of IPAs. That was kind of what he really worked on. Um, I like doing things that require a lot of balance. So I love Belgians and saisons, pale ales, pinions, a beer that has followed me around everywhere I've gone, um, just with a different name. So I love doing that type of style. It's just me now. So 
you know, COVID, COVID does things. It's, it's caused changes. So I'm the uh, sole owner and brewer at the brewery now. And with my passion for Belgians, we're definitely moving into a 75% like Belgian focus, lots of saisons, lots of hoppy. We just started our mixed fermentation program. So I'm drinking a, a Brett, a Brett Belgian um, a farmhouse here and delving into German lagers. So I really like mm. smoke a lot it's one of my favorite beer ingredients it's not something that's used a whole ton but we've um got a seasonal roche beer now that i think will turn year round and i'm playing with that flavor a lot and yeah we'll still have a little bit of hoppy a couple pale ales some stouts but you'll see a real big shift over to the belgian side i'm all for it i saw i think <laughs> i was checking out your instagram and i saw a picture you guys had it there's just a black shirt with saison across it. <laughs> I like that picture. Like I gotta find out how to get me one of those because I'm not saison is probably like in my top three favorite styles. Um, and you know, seldomly brewed until spring comes around, things like that. So, but just to know that your focus is that uh, yeah. it's pretty awesome. We're definitely gonna have to swing by and grab a few. Yeah, we do a lot. I think I have seven different saisons in the fridge wow. right now. Like one very traditional and then a lot that really go outside the box, some barrel aged, some wine blends, some different things. And our main saison, the Duchess, has medaled. Um, she's gotten silvers in the Ontario Brewing Awards and the Canadian Brewing Awards. So it's oh. kind of nice to get recognized at that level with, you know, Montreal right next door because they've got their, sa their saison games on point. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like that's where the experimental beer comes in too. Which one, sorry? Sounds like that's where the experimental, because uh, mentioning earlier that you experiment as well. So it sounds like with like, like uh, you mentioned wine. Yeah, we do barrel aging that has, and when we get the barrels, they're fresh. So very heavy wine blends into them. A lot of different fruited saisons, experimenting with different forms of brett and different, different types of barrel aging. And just doing some recipes and some different things. One of the beers that inspired me to really brew and go the direction I did was a beer called Boisson de X. And it's a, um, I'm not French. I just speak like I, I have confidence. <laughs> That'd be um, great. Could have fooled me. <laughs> a place called Hopfenstark or Station House in Montreal. And it was a smoked saison. So mm -hmm. the beer I brewed today was actually a smoked grisette that will be aged on cherries. So wow. um, we'll see if anybody buys it out here. I don't know, <laughs> but hmm? you're just going and having some fun and going in some different directions. Sounds so cool. Send some over this way. Yeah. That sounds delicious. <laughs> well, I guess that's a, that's a question we would have is where can one find Little Beast beer? Like, do you guys, are you in the beer store LCBO? Like, and if so, like only in and around Durham region or where can we find, where can we find your beer? It's funny, I got accepted into the LCO at the beginning of COVID and turned it down. I've decided oh. it's not the way I want to go um, for a bunch of reasons, yeah. um, mainly where I want to keep our focus and how I want the brewery to run. So we're direct from brewery. We do ship around Ontario. I'm also looking at working with Small Batch Dispatch, which is doing yeah. a bunch of delivery services. Great and we are available at a lot of different bottle shops and some bars and restaurants but going forward for the most part aside from like the bar hops or kind of those places will really only be at the small independently run uh bottle shops and restaurants for the most part so yeah limiting our our limiting those kegs i got sick of dealing with the big chains to be 
totally honest. (laughs) Yeah. Like LCBO. Can I delve into that a little bit? Is that like, for those of you who don't know LCBO, they're the monopoly um, run institution, the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. That's where most people buy their alcohol here in Ontario. So um, yeah, is there a reason why you're not keen to work with them? We've, We've heard well, I think we can guess why we've heard from other brewers as yeah, to the frustration. So for the most part, it's money. Like to go to LCBO, I'm looking at a volume game and I've never wanted to play the volume game. I love brewing. I love making beer and I want to keep loving it. And if we're brewing around the clock, just trying to fill quotas, it's not why I opened this brewery. And if you're going to make money at the LCBO, you have to fill those quotas because they take the majority of the money Craft beer has a surprisingly small margin, especially once you go into cans, people don't realize. So I think by the end, I was looking at like what, making 20 cents a can in the LCBO. I I just didn't see the point. And I would like our brewery to always be me and Mark in the brewing and cellar and fill out the staff around that. So yeah, I just keep it small and experimental and keep people coming to us if we can keep pulling that off. Yeah, great. I guess it's interesting, like to be almost like a four year old enterprise. And we talk about this all the time and I might all sound like a broken record a little bit, but it's such an interesting industry in terms of what you just said. Like you, you seem, Aaron, to be a super passionate person about your craft, which is amazing. But you're also uh, an entrepreneur uh, and you're, you're running an enterprise. So mm-hmm. you but you you do have a preference in keeping things small, like it's not go big or go home attitude for you is, but is there, is there a little bit of a sense of, well, we do want to grow X amount over the next five years, or, or is it sort of a, is it really more of a passion led purpose that you're running? Could you give us a little bit of. Yeah. I see it as almost more like goal led growth. I never wanted to take over the world. I never wanted to become like a a multinational corporation that's selling giant volumes. And the goals I see are being able to employ a small staff, give them benefits, pay them well, be able to keep my family happy and healthy, be able to pay for my kids' universities and, you know, be able to retire at some point to be comfortable and to really, to be able to love what I do. To me, exponential growth doesn't answer that question. It's more driving people to our location. For me, it's more life satisfaction. I want to do what I love. I don't want to be poor forever. <laughs> and I want to treat the people who work with me well. It's what it comes down to. That's really the most cool. honest and honorable yeah. goals. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I, I want to be able to buy some treats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there, Aaron, is there something about Whitby? Cause we were talking right before you hopped on just like, there is like a really cool, quite a scene in, in Whitby. Like there's quite a few great craft breweries just in the city. I mean, Whitby's not a small town. Like it is a, a city in the greater Toronto area. For those of you who don't know, like you're only a stone's throw away from Scarborough, which is Toronto. So I mean, you guys are kind of, I don't know, do Whitbyans, Whitbyans consider themselves like Torontonians or, or not GTA. really? And yeah. do Toronto people ever really go past the DVP? Yeah. <laughs> never. Only if we have to. Never go past uh, Young Street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, there's funny that there is four breweries in Whitby. And now there's a couple in Oshawa. We did try to open in Oshawa just because there were so many oh, out here. But Whitby was just, it's really hard to find a space. And Whippy was more amenable. Whippy really wanted the breweries. 
Hmm. I know hmm. us in town opened up at pretty much the same time. And we actually looked at the same spot and we, we had leased the spot first. And I was like, I don't think I can handle this spot. And then found this other spot in town, took that spot and just made it like stunningly gorgeous. What they did with it was pretty amazing. So yeah, it's surprising there's this many out here. I feel like you can feel it in Durham a little bit now. We definitely need to, and it's not that there's too many of us. It's a matter of engaging the people around us. There's a ton of people. But there's mm -hmm. still, we're still moving people onto craft out here a little bit. So but it's definitely getting better, hugely better in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell, can you tell us a little bit about like the, the, let's say give it 12 months before you opened Little Beast. Like what was that process like? Was that, I assume it was very easy and stress-free and that everything <laughs> just came together. All like, stress-free, right? I assume. Can you, can you tell us about this simplistic process? Yeah. Oh, God. It's, uh, you do what you, I, I was saying to somebody today that I feel like I'm the most bipolar person in the world. You have a couple of days of great sales and you're like, this is amazing. I'm so glad I did this. And then two days later, you're like, holy crap, I've sunk my family. What have I done? <laughs> no. Ugh. Yeah. So I, I, I incorporated the business on January 26, 2016. Okay. So clearly the date, it meant something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, and I started building back then. So the process, it was crazy. It was amazing. And I feel like it was just a series of hurdles where you just have to be ready to face it and go, okay, this could shut us down. So what do I do now? And it was just a whole bunch of really big, if you want it bad enough, you just figure out how to do it. And in that process, I certainly met a couple of people who to this day are still like right-hand people for me, who are the most amazing people who Rob Carefoot, my brewery installer, I can't say enough positive about him. The things he did, and it's a really funny story too, how he ended up linked up to me, but the things he's done for me, I don't know if I would have even been able to open without him. And yeah, it's, it's just, but we were originally supposed to be open. I, I can't remember by January, 2017. And then we opened in September. It was one thing after another. It just never works out. And it wasn't the government for us. We got licensed really easy. It was things like finding out that our steam fittings from source or our gas fittings were two inch and they needed to be three inch. And that's a $40,000 job. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. yeah, it was when your gas installer tells you you have to sit down before he'll talk to you. Oh no. <laughs> Just over but, that one inch. Yeah. Same like minor details. Yeah. And our brewery is really tall. It's 40 foot ceilings, which is, is amazing for space and windows. I've been in so many breweries that look like dungeons and ours is so bright and beautiful. But piping 40 feet is not cheap, nope. is what you find out. It's an extra 10K on every single job. So, oh. yeah. Oh was, but I feel like that's almost the least stressful because you're so, ex it was stressful, <laughs> but you're so excited that it carries you. And then you're like, now I'm going to open. Then you're like, holy crap. Now I have to make people buy the beer. And that's the sobering moment when you're like, oh, okay. Because it's, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These things don't sell themselves. 
And I launched with Saison's, right? The most yeah. popular <laughs> yeah, it's right, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's funny now. It wasn't at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's it works. It works though. Yeah. You're here, you're doing yeah. it. That's yeah, really I mean, cool. I, I make fun and I tease. Like somebody noticed us for the, the first year, the Golden Taps, we got Best New Brewery in Ontario. Amazing. So I didn't see that coming. We were standing there. They called our name. But I didn't even, I, somebody had to finally shake me because I just wasn't expecting it. So it wasn't until someone like pushed me towards the stage. that I was like, what? Oh, it was very cool. So yeah. Was that, in, that was in 2017? Yeah, that would have been the 2017 yeah. Golden Taps. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and we got three Ontario Brewing Awards that year too so it was oh. it was pretty cool it was a nice way pretty to start good year. killing it yeah. yeah so cool was the building itself sorry I, I think you mentioned this was the building itself what was it before Little Beast what was the the facility it was nothing oh you built it the whole nothing. thing yeah so it's uh we're in industrial space mm -hmm. yep. we've got like car parts and bus depots and reliant like it, it's super super industrial but nothing was in there yet so we walked in and it was a completely blank space. So they still had to build the bathroom, which we figured was going to be small. <laughs> the, the, like, um, I forget what they call them. They're like access, accessible bathrooms. And I want the bathroom to be accessible, yep. but you could have a whole party in this bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that was my trench drain. Uh, yeah. Accessible for so, everybody. It's like you have 10 wheelchairs in there. I don't know what they're doing. But it was cool because it was blank. And then it went from this empty box. And I remember standing in the middle of the brewery when everything was being installed one day and just being blown away that it was mine, watching all these people work. And I think they're called scissor lifts and everything. And just wondering how the heck I got there <laughs> and who was paying. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago, was it? I mean, no. you guys, it's, it's funny because we often talk about the average age of your typical craft brewery in say Ontario. And like, you guys are probably pretty close to the average age, like being only four years old. Like it's such, there's been anyways, such an exponential growth of craft breweries in, I mean, really in North America and scattered mm -hmm. all over the world um is there any can you tell us like a little bit other than your your styles itself because that obviously is unique could you tell us a little bit about what makes little beasts a little bit more eclectic and and unique compared to other ontario craft breweries probably the people i mean i i'm realizing now like how much those of us that are there are really the face of the brewery because we really do run on a skeleton crew and sometimes I question my approach and I'm not sure if this was the right approach or wrong approach. I'm sure there's a little column A, column B, mm -hmm. but all of us that are there kind of know everybody that walks in, which is really nice. So it's very homey. It's very friendly. People know they can bring their kids. They know they can bring their dogs. They know they, people feel very comfortable there. It's something I love. Art is very important to us. So all of our art, all of our labels are done by my husband. Wow. Um, and every label really is like, it's a full on painting. Like he sits and works for hours. So it's given the brewery a really neat aesthetic. Yeah. And he took a leave from his job for a bit to help during COVID, especially when my business partner left. 
and you took that time to really revamp our tap room and it's just beautiful now. So the feel is there. I think, I don't know, the personalization I think is a lot of what brings us apart. That and just really being willing to try different things and play with different things and then tapping into the community and having fun. We're very closely affiliated with Brew Wizards and um, Critical Hit, which are two game cafes close to us. Okay. My husband and I are total nerds, video games, Warhammer, like really bad, the Love terrible, it. terrible nerdy stuff. So Love it. we've brought all that into the brewery and it, it's just a lot of fun. So it's, it's nice. Your husband is quite the artist. I'm looking at his yeah. stuff right now, all, all the labels. They're phenomenal. It seems to be like an impressionistic artist looking at one of them, like a Morag. You can, you can see he likes to do impressionistic painting, but then it looks like he can also dabble with Photoshop as well. Cause it looks like he does some, some digital art as well. Yeah, he's really versatile. He's a fine arts degree in his background. So he comes at it a little bit differently. His original art, and if you go through his cartoons, a lot of it's very dark. It's very neat. But he works on like a tablet. So he paints digitally, but nothing is altered in a way that doesn't involve like a digital paintbrush or a digital like hand tool. So it is all hand done digitally but he can use those tools to augment and work in layers. But he has a really strong illustrative style that he's used in his comics and stuff in the past and that he uses in a lot of our beast labels like Printemps and Constant. But then he's also really good if he, when he does canvas work, which is also all over the brewery, he paints with oils and occasionally acrylics. So when you look at Morag or Carry On or some of those more intensive, like really artistic labels, that's where I think those skills are coming out more. I mean, I'm talking for him right now, but that's my interpretation. <laughs> he loves they what it's like. Draw you in. I'm sure. They're definitely like interesting. Like it certainly draws in. And like I know, like you said, maybe it may be a smidge like dark, but like for instance, I'm looking at a rat right now, Arebus. Like that, it gives you a little bit of a chill, but it's it's enticing. It's cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun and it's added a really cool element. Like if you love what's in the package, it's nice to have something so nice on the outside. Mm -hmm. And some are just fun pieces of art and some have more meaning or more representation. Like Carry On was very special to me. So it was new radio. You know, Print Tomps was, you know, drawn when my son was going through this like whole period where he wanted to be Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, which he does quite well. But <laughs> yeah, cool. fun. How important is that artistic branding to running a craft brewery? It seems to be, if you don't have artistic flair, and obviously the old trope is never judge a book by its cover. However, I mean, the typical consumer when they're looking around for, for craft beer, obviously if you have something that is enticing aesthetically, um, that might draw someone's eye. Do you, do you connect you connect your your artistic images that that your husband does like is that um is that a paramount portion to little beast itself or or is it just a an added a little bit of salt to the the actual actual beer itself it's definitely 100% become like it's definitely become a necessary addition to the brand. And I think it's a lot of what makes us us. Like, I, I don't think at this point you could take that apart. Like the beers, I, it sounds so cheesy, but the 
we pour so much into the beers and like, I love making my beers. Each one of them for me has a real personality and has a real identity. So having a package or artwork or a label that kind of brings it to life is super important. And I think in this day and age where there's so many breweries that, and I've heard people say, it doesn't matter. The beer will speak for itself. I, I don't think you can get away with just making beer anymore. And I think there yeah. are still people who think you can just make it and sell it, but you can't. And if there's not something there catching a person's eye and you're not putting yourself into that product, you're at risk of being forgotten. And I'm happy that we haven't seen breweries disappear during COVID mm -hmm. and we haven't seen mass closures, but I, I'm sure there's lots of us are feeling the crunch right now and realizing that it's a very big reality. You need to take it seriously. So it's important. If you walk into an LCBO and there's like 15 gray cans and one that pops with color and vibrancy, you're going to pick that one up first. And people will be like, well, that's shallow. But is it? Or is it that somebody mm. prepared to do that with their product? Yeah. No, it goes a long way, right? The extra work in a label or in the presentation I think we're proponents of that. I think I think you really do have sure. to be cognizant of your image and your that word brand maybe is is not so appealing. But I mean, let's go with reputation. Like you have to have a good reputation, and maybe your brand important. Yeah, brand is. I I don't know. I don't know if you can knock down the word brand if you don't yeah. have a brand. No matter how much you love the product, who are you? So mm -hmm. I totally yeah. agree. That's true. I like I like that word, but other people. <laughs> it is what it is yeah. people yeah you gotta balance art and passion yeah. with being pragmatic and realistic you're right so you gotta balance that mm -hmm. it's a big part like on our events um i always like to you know we do a formal beer tasting and whatnot and i, and I talk about appearance but i also point out like you know the can or the bottle and the artwork that goes into it because you know it, it's some can see just see it as a vessel to get it from the brewery to you but like there's there's a lot that goes into that and you know obviously testaments of little beasts and it's another great way for the brew to showcase like you know themselves who they are what, what goes into everything so uh we always you know point some eyes towards the can for sure yeah great yeah absolutely um Aaron, can, can you tell us a little bit about being a female in the craft beer world because Obviously you're talking to three beer guys, a lot of our guests, big surprise happen to be male. I mean, as much as the craft beer world is shifting and obviously this year has been predominantly, um, what's the adjective? I can't even think. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, many adjectives. Enlightening for the, for the craft beer world. I mean, a lot of, um, a lot of, things have been revealed, I suppose, more, I think more, the narrative, I, I think, has been more from the United States, but I think a, a lot in Canada as well. Have you seen in your eight years of brewing and your almost four years of being a head brewer and a brewery owner, like, have you seen, can you give us a little bit of your take on, on being a, a woman in, in what really is a, a male-dominated field? For sure. Yeah, it's this year has been pretty amazing um, mm -hmm. for things coming out. And I'm going to preface everything I'm about to say, about to say with 
like my hobbies, I, I've traditionally always just picked hobbies where I tend to be in male centric environments. My side, my side hobby is 40 K. Like I'm always the only female in the room, right? Even the racing I used to do as the only female. So most of the dudes I deal with are amazing. And most of my friends are guys. Like I have my two best girlfriends and then all dudes around me all the time. Yeah. So there's definitely no chip on my shoulder and, and I, and I, I can see the positive, but yeah, there, there's some big issues. And a lot of people like to look at the States and say, it's bad in the States, but we're better here. And I would 100% disagree with that statement in total. In the years I've been in beer, there have been some major issues. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of the reasons that around here, it's not talked about as much is there's so few women in beer, you have to keep your mouth shut or you risk being unemployable or losing your job. So when this whole rap magnet thing started, which yeah. I'm sure is kind of what you're talking to, it was amazing. And watching it take off, I like the adrenaline that first day and I submitted stories day one. I'm in the first reel. It was incredible seeing it gain steam because it's been really hard being in this industry where I've been abused and I've watched other women be abused and everybody just keeps their mouth shut and smiles. And, you know, I'm not young anymore. I'm 41. I've had my time to experience things and learn how to say when it isn't okay and when it is. And if, if that makes sense, I think a lot of people have troubles understanding when the issue is not them, it's what's going on around them. So my experience has been good. I've had some great jobs and met some great people, but I have taken unreasonable amounts of crap in my experience too. If you follow me on my, I have a bunch of, it's my beer Insta, ES Broadfoot. When the rat magnet thing came out, I realized I kept my mouth very shut about what I had gone through because as a professional person in a small industry, people in the industry, when you start saying things, they connect dots really quick and they know who you're talking about. Yeah. So as a business owner, I felt I had to keep my mouth shut because it's inappropriate to do anything that could point fingers at, you know, other people. Mm -hmm. But I realized I, I saw this all wrong. If I want other females to feel comfortable who work in the industry coming up and saying this isn't okay, or to reach out or to be able to stand up for themselves as a business owner and somebody who doesn't have to worry about their employment, I'm the first one who should be talking Yeah, because it's safe for me and it's not safe for a lot of women. I started talking when I worked at a brewery and rapidly found myself struggling to become employed because instead of being like, well, if I'm, if I'm not a dick, I'm not going to have a problem. It was, oh, what if she's making this up? Or what if mm -hmm. she's misreading a situation, which is, is very much not the case. So yeah. there's been a lot of experiences, everything from uh, being given a joke interview where when I was like very interested in the interview and he realized I had a, a ring on my finger and canned the interview and told me he was just looking for some fun that night Whoa. to, oh my God. yeah, <laughs> to, and, and like this brewery is still standing. Um, to being mocked in brew houses, to when I didn't understand how to use certain things, having eyes rolled at me, being like, this is why we don't want a woman in the scene, oh. to the overt sexual jokes, to being told, and I quote, you're useless and you should give up. You don't belong here. So, oh, and I'm not special. So I, I've become much more vocal about it because I want other women to realize that they aren't alone and they should be able to talk. And I strongly encourage other women, whether you work in the industry or you're at school, 
if you need somebody to talk to or you're trying to figure this out, that I am an open book and I'm always, always accessible. And many, many women have reached out to me and I'm super glad to be that landing spot for other women in the industry. That's great. It's amazing. Powerful. That's, yeah. The latter really portion. Like when you, you being yeah. helpful resource. Yeah. We talked a lot, we talked a lot about that. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, no. I got you. Yeah. No, like that's... I said, most is good, right? Like some of my best friends, you know, recently I've been doing a ton of work with Third Moon. And Third Moon opened and they get all this hype. And, you know, I get introduced to this guy who owns it. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure he's going to be something else. He's the sweetest guy in the entire world. He's rapidly become one of my best friends. Like he's just so down to earth. And so the opposite of everything you think this guy running the super hype brewery would be. So there's lots of gems out there too. Do you see any progression? Do you see a higher level of, of women entering, whether it be brewing positions or just more um, administrative positions, just anyone working for breweries? Like, Do you see a, a larger quantity of, of women entering the field is do you do you think we're still kind of stagnating is is there a lot of work that still I mean I, I know that there is work to be done but are things progressing are you um optimistic in this or or are we still yeah, I am encouraged to like if there's questions and stuff I'm comfortable asking them and I think people are always just like when I start dealing with you know situations um dealing with BIPOC folk when I work with PFLAG you always get worried and say like asking a question or saying something so you're like what if I say this wrong and I look like a giant you know, but putting <laughs> the questions, and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the questions out there, it's okay to make mistakes and it's right. okay to say it wrong because when the dialogue begins, when you're receptive to that dialogue and to changing it up, and that's when the things really happen. I used to run a local branch of PFLAG and I made some huge mistakes standing on top when I was doing some of my orientations and they were really humbling, really horrible moments. But everybody was very kind and they were great teaching moments for me and for everybody in the room. But anyways, to digress and go back to what you're asking, <laughs> there's definitely change. It's definitely getting better. And I think part of that is because people are learning to be more welcoming to women and yeah. also just because of representation. When people ask, like, how do you get more women into brewing? How do you get more women into, you know, STEM fields? How do you get more women into 40K? You can't force women down these paths. So all you can do is be welcoming and make sure that those that are already there yeah. get put up and get seen so that that representation goes down to younger people who are trying to figure out if they belong in that field. And there's definitely more women coming into beer. I definitely see more of it. There's definitely still more in the sales and marketing side, but many more women in production. Niagara College usually has a couple women a year getting into brewing and cellaring. Okay. It, it's, you know, so it's getting better, but I think in Durham, I might still be the only woman in production out here. So slowly, but surely though, and it is getting better and we are seeing more. Great stuff. You're just, you're just a superhero, Aaron, just managing <laughs> your whole production. It's just like, in terms of, of like owning and being the head brewer, like I just, I can't even imagine I mean, most of the breweries that we speak to, I mean, those, those positions are delegated uh, independently, but like in terms of actually being both the, the captain of the ship and the engine as, as well, 
Like, I mean, how, how do you, how do you even find the time to do both? Right now? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I, well, I'm looking at hiring somebody this week to do more of my bar. And right now it's a little crazy. The workload over the past year has been uh, a little bit much. I, COVID started March, like what, 2020? Yeah, I, think, I think so. So with, <laughs> the, with to forget, the thinning, but yes, <laughs> I know with with the thinning of staff and everything that's gone on. Like I thought, I worked hard pre-COVID. I think I've taken five days off since COVID started. Um, wow. like I just and even like on days where I'm home, and it's very hard because I don't want my children to feel pushed aside. But when I say that, like I will stay home Mondays and Tuesdays, but you're answering emails. You're always like mm. you're very it's very all encompassing. So it's been crazy. It's very cool because you get to completely control your, your thing. And there's something to be said about that. <laughs> it also means if it all goes wrong, it's all your fault. <laughs> but, it's not a good feeling. but I'm, I'm hoping that as things are getting better and we've seen some amazing positive changes lately, and we've been getting the right kind of momentum mm-hmm. that you know, I'll be able to back into more just the production side. I'll be there to say hi to customers and friends and everything else, because I mean, that's the magic, right? Seeing people love it. And it feels like that, that cliche, like that cheers feeling where everybody that walks in knows you and it's, it's great. Like it's good, but I would like to be focusing much more on just making the beer. And hopefully my husband will be in with me full time soon too. And running that front end and yeah, start building that team up. Because this, this, what I'm doing right now is not, it's not feasible. <laughs> Sustainable for the long term, I guess. Like just not. no sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I started prioritizing <laughs> sleep because I was falling apart and I'm like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, four hours of sleep a night doesn't, doesn't hack it. So, not enough. Mm-hmm. but yeah, good food, lots of exercise, decent sleep, lots of water and, and a side hobby that lets you tune out and kind of turn it all off would you be interested like do you have a lot of support in terms of the production or or you're sort of the one the one I have um I have a seller man Mark he's like I'm very lucky he's absolutely amazing he's like he kicks ass back there and it's just two of us but we only have four fermenters and two brights so he pretty much does all of the the fermenter cleaning the bright cleaning he gets me set up for transfers. He'll, you know, assistant brew for me on the days I'm brewing. He does a lot of the work around me. He used to do our packaging, but we're mostly canning mobile now. So that's supposed to free him up a little bit more so he can right. start because obviously he loves to brew and he needs to have some fun in there too. So he'll be starting like a small batch cast series so that his wow. stuff can go up cool. too. And yeah, just to kind of have some fun, but it's just me and him, but that's pretty sustainable as long as I have somebody else to cover the front end. Cause right now I'm brewing two times a week, you know, which isn't too bad. But yeah, I was just thinking, is it hard for you to delegate? Like how much of the beer itself do you feel that you need to be the, the producer or, or is it okay to sort of let that go to, to someone else to actually produce it to create it to birth it yeah it's funny because for the longest time I was always just completely content with this is a shared vision you have your vision I have mine and here's how we put it together but now that 
and I realized that, well, it worked and it was great working with him and it was great doing that, that it also, I love having complete creative freedom. Like I love having complete control of the product and I'm very OCD. So being able to make sure everything's happening just right. So right now I, I'm a little protective of production. I'm a little, well, I'm forming an image and the brewery is becoming very linked. Um, I suppose in a very small community because most people coming in would never know, but the brewery is becoming like synonymous with my name as a brewer. So I feel protective of making sure that what goes out there truly represents me. Um, but yeah, eventually I'm going to have to let that go a little bit because I, Mark's, I mean, I hired Mark because he's a talented guy. Like he's an amazing guy. I wanted him on my team because he's passionate and he cares and he's great at what he does. So at some point I'll, I'll be, I'll have to let go of a little bit. So he can, have, that's why we start small batch and he can have that line. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps in. A little bit, a little bit. But he's, he is really good. I don't want to like, there's a reason he's there with me. He's a very talented guy and you're hard pressed to find somebody who cares that much about the product. And it matters because especially in our brewery world, we're running a lager yeast. We're running two season yeasts. We're running a Britannomyces strain and we're running an American yeast. And like when I used to consult for breweries, I used to be like, you never ever use more than two strains of yeast ever. <laughs> Still like six, right? So you need somebody who really cares because that entire brewery is a ticking time bomb if things aren't maintained properly. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. Why, why would you recommend that previously? Why only run two yeast? Just that's all you could maintain? Like It's so hard. You see it more when you run a diastatic strain of yeast next to an American strain. It's so hard to keep those strains completely isolated and keep things completely clean. When you talk to a pro brewer or a lab worker, they'll be like, no, it's not. You just have to work hard. And that's very true. But to find the team who's willing to put in that work to make that happen and do the plating and do the cleaning and do all it's it's a challenge and all you need is one cell traveling from one batch to the other and you have huge problems. That's why you see beer exploding on the shelves in the LCBO. And I mean, for us, I don't know if it's too nerdy, but to explain it real simple and real quick, American yeasts, they can dissolve, they can eat certain sugars. Diastatic yeasts can eat other sugars. So if American yeast can only eat the short chain sugars, when they're completely done eating them, all those long chains, they sit in the beer and they just sit there. Diastatic yeast is a little bit more talented and can chew apart those long chain sugars, but it takes a while. So if you have a small population of those yeasts and you don't know it, you put that beer out and you're like, this beer is great. Five months later, you have like a, you have an exploding bomb on your shelf oh. because those sugars have been chewed apart, creating carbonation. And that's, that's where the explosions happen. So and season yeasts are diastatic so we've had recalls yeah we've thrown beer down the drain like stuff happens but yeah it's and wild yeasts so anything that exists on grain or on floors or on walls also has the potential of creating those bombs so cleaning is everything in beer brewing is really only like this much of it you've heard that time and time again mm -hmm. that's like 99 percent of the process is just making sure everything is spick and span and sanitized yeah, yeah, it 100% is true. Aaron, we, we only have you for a few more minutes, but- uh, We were delayed a little bit so we can- Yeah. I'm okay. So um, 
but yeah, I, I guess moving forward, like I, in terms of COVID, obviously it, it hasn't been the best time for anyone, but, but you did mention that you're right. Like by and large, like the, the craft breweries that we're associated with and that we know, like they've weathered the storm pretty well, certainly kind of in the front lines of small businesses adapting and shifting to going straight to delivery, like doing that pretty seamlessly. It's, it's been like fantastic and really encouraging to see like moving now that we're kind of, we're kind of in this weird phase, obviously, like is COVID done? Like, no, but things are looking good, but like, should, should we be optimistic? I don't know. It's very, it's a weird time. So in terms of being a, a small business owner, how do you even plan? Do you plan rather like a month ahead, two months ahead, or, or are you sort of in um, wartime general mode still kind of just going day by day and, and tackling, tackling the problems uh, on, a, on a micro level? Yeah, it's impossible to plan because you don't know. And, you know, I was feeling really positive. I kept my kids home all year last year. I just re-enrolled them for school. I'm like, we're going to be okay. And then you're watching the States and you're like, Florida is exploding. Alberta, like we just need yeah. to cut them off and send them off. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. And like, I hope we stay open, but not at the expense of my employees' health or other people's health. So yeah, it's hard to plan and it's, and you can't because when you're open, you need kegs and when you're not, you don't want kegs. So I'm kind of just trying to roll with the punches and see what happens. I mean, the next time somebody tells me to pivot, I'm going to punch them in the side of the head. I hate that word. <laughs> I know everyone hates that word. Oh my God, I we like, use it too much. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Garrett, Garrett likes that word. He, he's in, we don't like him. I don't like it. I just use it from time to time. Punch him in the side of the head. <laughs> I want to, believe me. Uh, it was it was exciting for like three months, right? You're like, yeah. this is crazy. What's going to happen? What are we going to do next? Year later, you're like, make it stop. And I think, <laughs> sorry, because <laughs> no, file out all this fear, they're like, breweries are doing great. People come in with these blog TO articles. They're like, I love seeing you guys are thriving. I'm like, you realize there's no profit margin on bottled beer, right guys? Like without a tap room, it's just, and, but you can't really say that too because everybody wants to hear a happy story and you don't want to crap on your customers' parades, but yeah, it's exhausting. Like it's taught me a lot of really good things. I've learned a lot about my business that I might not have without COVID. It's made me move in directions that I think are smart that I don't know if I would have before. But that said, I just want everyone to get vaccinated and I want this to go the hell away now. So <laughs> no more. Ditto. Yeah. Ditto for sure. Who yeah. would have ever thought this would have been a hot topic? What a crazy world. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super crazy. Yeah. I know there's only, uh, like I said, just a few minutes, but Aaron, if I could ask you one last question, what's one thing, you know, COVID or not, that you sort of have a vision for in the future for, uh, for the brewery? I think just creating really amazing really creative mixed fermentation belgians bringing in my bottle carbonation project i'm gonna i want to start carving in bottle and really trying to work towards authenticity 
and just really move towards what I've always wanted to do and just get really creative and hopefully convince people that they should still buy it. <laughs> sounds like a task and yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get right to it. Yeah, that sounds great. Aaron, thank you so much. I think we've yeah. learned a super large amount of information in terms of brewing uh, in Ontario, as and well a as your bit of a science lesson too. Yeah, as well. That's yeah, awesome. just your unique perspective. I think it's got it right on my arm. I think you can see it with the glare. I've got all the chemistry right now. Yeah. Oh <laughs> wow, you're the real deal. <laughs> real stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we we definitely want to visit the brewery. We're not that far away, so uh, we'll you guys aren't. Let you know. Yeah, Nick's a little bit further away. Yeah, a little further. Well, I am Ottawa Nixon. Gatineau. Yeah. Okay. Hamilton at the moment. Okay, cool. And I'm in Toronto. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, but we're not but, that far away. Even no, Gatineau. No, I already that looked far. it up. It's only an hour and sixteen minutes, so it'll be from where I am. So yeah. it's not far at all. No, we're definitely. I used to uh, used to hang out with the Hamilton Homebrew crew out there. The uh, oh, Hoser. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Hamilton Homebrew crew. Love it. Um, okay. Well, Aaron. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time, and I think we've all learned. A super large amount. I don't know why yeah, I said that. So and now I've said it twice. Yeah, um, I said it twice. <laughs> and a science experiment. <laughs> like the awkward. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> thank don't you. Don't worry. So much. I can edit it out. Nick's got it. Nick's got it. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Good, you got to keep the awkward. The awkward. Got it. <laughs> That'll go in the blooper reel, especially like the end of year, like full round blooper reel. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh God, um, Aaron! Yeah. Thank you a million times, and thank uh, you so we, much. We'll let you know. Thank when you, we're, Aaron. We're making a visit. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Have, Have a good, good night. Here. You too. Thank you for listening. As well, you can help my podcast grow by sharing my podcast with family and friends, and subscribe on whichever platform from where you're listening. Also, check out my Instagram at Beer Got Me Here for beer photos and future beer reviews. For more information on Rolling Hops Beer Tours, their website and a link to all their media is in the episode description. We will see you in the next episode.